Well, I'm excited to be back in the book of Luke, and so I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading from verses 25 to 38. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 38. Now, just a bit of background here. You remember last time that Mary and Joseph were bringing baby Jesus to the temple for his presentation and for paying the ransom price because he was not of the tribe of Levi. And this section we're going to look at today happens as they come to the temple. Now, the temple's got the temple steps going up and then you've got the public place where the men and women would still be together and then they would separate. But this most probably happened there on those temple steps because of the characters involved. So they hadn't actually presented him yet. This was on the way to be presented. So we kind of jumped the gun last week. But just remember with the book of Luke, it's not written in exact order as it happens. There's kind of brackets in between things. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 38. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now there was a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayer. At that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And after this has happened, then Mary and Joseph go into the temple and present Jesus Christ, as we heard last week. It's been proved over and over again that even in very, very dark times, God has his faithful remnant. During this time, when we read about these events, Israel was going through a very, very dark time. The people had turned away from from the the true worship of God from their hearts and they were worshipping Him by going through the motions of worship. 
the religious leaders, many of them, there were some who were really faithful, but many of these religious leaders had added their own rules to religion and to the religion of the day, and they expected the, keep, the people to keep more and more of these rules. And then there were the Romans that come into the nation, that conquered this nation, and Israel was under military rule. So it was a dark time for Israel, but even through this, God preserves his people, his faithful ones. J.C. Ryle said it like this. He said, small as a church may be, the gates of hell shall never completely prevail against it. The true church may be driven into the wilderness and may be a scattered little flock, but it never dies. And what we're going to see this morning are two examples of this remnant that God preserved for himself. A man and a woman and their reaction when they met this baby, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So let's look at the first of these characters, Simeon. What is his description by God? What I say by God? Because it's in Scripture. It's contained here for us. It's Holy Spirit inspired. And so this is a description of Simeon, the man. We don't know much about Simeon. He had no apparent formal role in the temple itself. He wasn't a priest or anything. But Scripture just describes him as a man in Jerusalem. But then we get his spiritual qualities lifted up. Look at what God says about him. However, this man, Simeon, was a righteous man. What does that mean? Your Bible might have, he was a just man. Well, it means that he was obedient to God and to God's commands for them as they understood it till then. He was, as much as humanly possible, he was obedient to God. The description carries on. He was devout. He was taught by God's word. He, he put himself under what he heard, the truths of God's word, and he tried to obey what God said. He had a reverence for God. He was devout. He was expectant. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking forward to the Messiah appearing. He lived every day wondering, is it today? He was expectant. He had an active faith in God. He knew God would keep his promises. And he was looking for God to act. And then the description is, he was the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now remember, Pentecost hadn't happened yet. And what do we know about the Holy Spirit descending on people before Pentecost? It was there for, he descended on people for a very specific purpose. And we'll see what that purpose is now. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And Simeon was submitted to the Spirit's leading. You see, he was going about his business, whatever it was that day, and then the Spirit took him and took him to the temple. And there he found himself on the temple steps. And as he looked up, this is the Messiah. Now, he wouldn't have recognized that baby as the Messiah. Who's doing the recognition in him? The Holy Spirit is telling him, this is the Messiah. And his heart must have leapt up at that moment. But you see, he was already living a life that was holy before God. Those characteristics are spelled out for us. And that's why he saw the salvation of God. Yes, it was in that time period, that specific period, when Jesus Christ would appear. And yes, it was part of God's plan. But he chose Simeon, a man devout and blessed, 
and righteous before Him for that specific task of seeing and recognizing the Messiah. So Simeon lived a righteous and an expectant life before God. A righteous and an expectant life before God. I'm repeating that on purpose. And God answered his prayers. It was a very specific answer to Simeon's prayers because the Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah, verse 26. And from his response later, we deduce that he was an old man about ready to die. But God had said to him, you won't die until you have seen the Messiah. What a promise. And as every day went past and he got older and older and looked in his mirror, he must have wondered, is it today, Lord, because I'm getting old now. But you see, he lived in expectancy. He hadn't seen the Messiah and he knew, I won't die because God has promised me. He was looking forward to seeing the Lord's Christ. What does that mean? The word Christos. The words, the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. He knew that he would see the Lord's Messiah and then he would die. And this Messiah would be the consolation of Israel. In other words, Israel was in a terrible way and he would bring the one, he would be the one who would bring them consolation. He would be, be the one who would bring them freedom. And he, and he would see this Messiah before he died. And you know, just in brackets, if you're not a believer here today, my specific prayer for you is that you too will not die until you meet up with this Messiah. Until you meet up with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a chance for you today to meet up with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is still alive. He's still got his, he's, he's still got his offer out to you. Come to me and be saved today. It's still there for you today. So meet up with this Messiah. Come and bow the knee and ask him to be your savior. There is still today. What was Simeon's response to Jesus Christ? I love his response. As soon as he sees this little baby in Mary's arms, he comes up, he takes the... Now, I wonder what Mary thought about this. He comes up, he takes the baby from her, and he blesses them and this baby. He blessed or he eulogized God is the old word, if you've got an old King James. He eulogized God. He gave him praises. You see, what was happening here on the temple steps? The Son of God was coming to the temple of God. The old covenant was now being fulfilled and the new covenant was starting. That's what was happening right there in front of him. It was the moment Simeon had been waiting for. You know, one of the traditional Jewish prayers, and it's still in existence today, is this one. May I see the consolation of Israel. While right in front of him, his prayer was being answered because he recognized the Messiah. Isn't it sad that so many are still praying that prayer? And the Messiah has come. We need to really continue to pray for those who do not yet know Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. But this prayer comes true for Simeon and for all generations after him, including you and I, and he breaks out into a song of praise. What is the contents of his prayer, of his song of praise? The theme of his song is salvation, freedom. Freedom for himself, salvation for his people, the Jews, 
and salvation for all people, Gentiles, you and I. He couldn't have seen that. That was Spirit-inspired insight, you see. The Spirit was upon him, showing him these things. So, how is he getting freedom? How is Simeon being freed right at this moment? He says, verse 29, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant. You are releasing me. In other words, I've been held captive by something. And, Lord, I've been your bondservant, the one who has laid down all my rights and... I want to serve you the whole of my life. And he had been. I'm now released as your bondservant. What does he mean? You see, Simeon's life had been a life of faithful service as a bond slave to Yahweh. One who voluntarily gave up his rights for life. And he was expectantly looking for the Messiah. And now he was released from that expectation, you see, because Here, the Messiah was in his arms. His faith had now become sight. His faith had become sight. And he says, Lord, you have released me. I've seen the Messiah. Thank you, Lord. I can now, he says, depart in peace. And when he's talking about departing in peace, he doesn't mean walking around and walking away. He means, I'm now ready to die, Lord. I can now go. I have seen your promise fulfilled to me. You see the very specific Greek word used here, is a phrase meaning to release a prisoner, to untie a ship and to set sail, same image, to take down a tent, to fold it up, ready for a journey, to unyoke a beast of burden that had been under a burden. You take that weight off it. He had been released from his expectation. His faith had become sight. He was now an old man whose spiritual affairs were in order and he was now ready to die. I'm in brackets again. Are you ready to die? Are you afraid of death today? As you get older and you look in that mirror, are you afraid to die? You see, death is not the great unknown. Simeon found that out. It is very much unknown. We know what's going to happen to us. When you close your eyes in death, you know, if you're a believer, what's going to happen to you. God's people are not afraid of death because death serves to release us from our burdens. It serves to release us from our cares, from our worries, from our sicknesses, from our financial worries. This life and death leads us directly into the blessings of the new life. You're not going to wait anywhere. You will be directly into the blessings of the next life. When you wake up from death, you will be with Jesus Christ. And all because of this little baby Jesus, the Redeemer. And Simeon could see that. And so he says, Lord, you've released me. I can now die. And then he carries on in his prayer. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. My very old eyes. Lord, I have seen your salvation here in my arms. I have seen your plan of freedom come about. Here he is in my arms, which you have prepared in the presence of all people. Verses 30 to 31. You see, was God's plan of salvation a secret plan? Did God have the secret little agenda which he was working out? No. It was there before all time existed. And and it started being evident right way back in Genesis, right through the history of humankind, right till this day. It was a very open plan. Prophets had prophesied about it. God had revealed it. He had spoken about it in his Torah, in his word. It was an open plan. It was prepared in the presence of all people. 
And so no man can stand before God and say, I didn't know. And that means you and I too today. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot stand before his throne one day and say, but I didn't know. You've heard again today. Lord, you have brought freedom for the Gentiles. Now that's you and I if we're not Jewish. You have brought freedom for Gentiles. You have brought a light of revelation to the Gentiles. You see, the Gentiles were living in complete darkness. At least the Jewish people had some light because they had God's plan taught to them for so many years. But the Gentiles were without light. They were living in darkness. And here was the one who would bring them light. It's quite a statement coming from this Jewish man because they hated the Gentiles. He says, you brought me freedom for my nation. For the Jewish people, he says. This Messiah also brought salvation to Simeon's people, the Jews, you see. He would be the glory of the Jewish people because this Jew would bring freedom to all people. How sad that so many Jews today still do not recognize this Messiah. So many in Simeon's day denied him. So many do today. And we need to be on our knees for that nation so that they will come to the Lord. The Lord says one day he will do a great work among his people, those Jews, and they will come to him. But we need to be praying for all people who do not know him. Jews and Gentiles, men and women alike. We need to be praying for every single one that we know that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. There is still time. But that won't carry on. There will be a day when time will run out. Now imagine Mary and Joseph, right? They've been quietly going about their business. Up the steps they come with their baby and suddenly here's this man and he starts praising God, taking her baby from her and blessing them. And so verse 33 says, Mary and Joseph were amazed. Not just that he did this, but that they actually allowed it and the insights that this man had. And it must have been a great confirmation in this young couple that this is the Messiah. He was indeed the one. Simeon, a man they didn't know from a bar of soap, knew this one. He recognized him as the Messiah. And old Simeon, he doesn't let it stop there, does he? He's spirit inspired. He's on the go now. And so what does he say? Verses 34 to 35. This was his mission. God had put his spirit on him for a very specific purpose. Here it is. This is the mission. He was now bringing a prophecy over this child. This is what he says. This will yet happen. He would be, that is the Messiah, would be the great divider. This child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. You see, God had sent Jesus into the, he had sent Jesus into the world, specifically sent his own son into the world to bring a message and to become that message of salvation in the face of God's judgment for sin. God had sent his son to bring and to be that message. But Jesus was appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel. You see, people would hear that message and there was one of two reactions. They would accept it or push it away. 
They would fall or they would rise. And it was to many in Israel that would do this. His own rejected him. Jesus, the Jewish people, rejected Jesus and his message. He was one of them. Damnation to some, salvation to others. You see, he is the great divider. He carries on, he says, he would meet great opposition. Jesus was appointed, he says, to be a sign to be opposed, says our text. You see, Jesus would point to his Father, the one who had sent him, whose image he would reflect and whose work he would do, and men would not accept it. They would turn against the sign. You see, when Jesus appeared, they would recognize him as the Son of but they would choose for or against them. Neutrality would be forever impossible. And Jesus picks it up again in Luke chapter 11. This is what he said himself. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. You see, there's only one of two positions. You're either for the Lord Jesus Christ and and you accept his authority in your life or you reject him and you turn away. You see, men's reactions to him would reveal their true spiritual condition. They might be a Jewish religious leader, but their reaction to Jesus would show their hearts. And as you sit today, it doesn't matter who you are and how much you know, your reaction to Jesus will show your real heart. He is the great divider. He is the sign from God who you either accept or reject. Jesus asked the Pharisees a very important question later in his life. Matthew chapter 22, 42. This is what he said. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? You see, Jesus was trying to get the Pharisees to see that he was the predicted Messiah. He was the very son of David and the son of God. And he still asks that question of you and I. This morning, as you're sitting here, he asks that question of every single person who is born onto this planet throughout history until he comes again. Who do you think I am? And the answer to that question is either submission to him and his authority or rejection of him as the Savior. What's your reaction to Jesus this morning? And I want to speak to you as believers. You say you accept Jesus' authority in your life. He is the great divider. Do you love him or do you neglect him as a believer? Yes, you say, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you stumble at accepting his word at face value when it tells you to live in a certain way? Or do you not accept it? Do you make excuses? Do you find yourself sidestepping his words? He is the great divider. You either accept him and his authority or you reject him and his authority. Do you accept his word, trust his word and seek to live your life by his word? And I want to put a challenge to every single one of you as I put the challenge to myself today. In the words of Joshua from Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. Choose this day who you will serve. Is it the Lord Jesus Christ or is it yourself? Have you got the way eternal in you or are you on your way to damnation? 
Choose this day who you will serve. As a believer, take that stand in your life. Take the steps necessary. Live a life glorifying God. Don't live a life that's half-hearted. Sometimes you're working for the Lord and serving Him. Other times you're just helping yourself. Doing what you want to do. And God is forgotten. Choose this day who you will serve. Jesus is the great divider. Simeon said it. He prophesied. And then he makes a third prophecy here. He prophesies to Mary and he blesses them, but then he brings this word kind of in brackets to her, but that must have really cut into her as well. He says to her that she would experience a great sword through her. She would experience great pain. And the word he uses here is the word for a large and a broad sword. It's not going to be a small cut. This is going to be a deep cut through you, Mary. What was he referring to? That moment when she saw her own son on that cross and people had rejected him and killed him. And at this stage she knew he was the Savior. That must have cut through her. But what Simeon didn't see was that even in that moment Jesus brings comfort to her. Even in that moment, half dead on that cross, Jesus leans down as much as he could and he draws John to him, the one he loved, and he said, look after her. She is now your mother. And in that moment when she loses her son, she gains another. But that would be a big sword in Mary. And Simeon saw that through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to put the challenge of Simeon before you. Here's this old man serving God faithfully for all his years, and then God answers his prayer. What a great example to you and I. But Luke provides us with a second person we can look at. So let's turn to Anna, verses 36 to 38. What does the Bible tell us about Anna? Verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So set the picture. Here's Mary and Joseph, and they've got Simeon here. He's got the child in his arms, and he's just finished blessing and prophesying over this child. And here is Anna. She must have been on those verges. And the Holy Spirit had brought her to those temple steps where they were. And she can't help herself. She speaks out what's on her heart. This prophetess, this one who was praying for people, this one who would encourage people as they came to the temple. She was old. The Bible says she was old. And if, if mugs were developed, she'd have one of these. But they weren't, okay? She didn't have a mug saying, if I'm old, I'll beat you with my cane. Um, no, she was old. The Bible says she was 84 years old. And because there was no modern, modern medicine as there is today, that was quite an achievement to become 84. Usually people died in the early 30s, 40s. She lived to be 84. She was faithful in her marriage of seven years only. She was married for seven years and faithful to her husband and then her husband died and for the rest of those of that time, until she was 84, she was alone. She was, no, undoubtedly she was alone by herself. 
And many times in those days, widows were neglected and exploited despite the commandment in the law which said that God would judge whoever did this to widows and orphans. People still pushed away widows. She must have undoubtedly experienced loneliness. And yet she stayed faithful to the Lord. What does scripture tell us about her? She loved God's house. She was constantly in God's temple, worshipping and serving Him. She was a woman of great self-denial. Scripture says that she served God with fasting, night and day, keeping her flesh in subjection as a help to her soul. Genuine fasting, not just going through those religious motions. She was a woman of much prayer and thanksgiving. Continually communing with God, not just as God, but as her friend, about the things which concerned her own soul, about her own walk before Him. She was never weary of pleading with Him on behalf of others. Her one aim in mind was the fulfillment of His promises of the Messiah to come. She was living in expectation, just like Simeon. Lord, which is going to be the day? But I will continue to serve you with all of my strength, even at 84, Lord. I will serve you. I will pray constantly. And I will push aside those things which bring me relief, food, whatever it is. And I will fast before you so that I can be your servant, Lord. What dedication. What a challenge to us from an old spiritual warrior. What was her response when she comes up to Jesus? She was a woman of public and constant testimony about Christ. When she sees him, she speaks out. She began giving thanks to God. And that wouldn't have been, Lord, thank you for God. It would have been a public exclamation. She shouted out her praise to God right there publicly. She continued, says Scripture, to speak of him to those who were still waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. There were many other believers that were waiting for the Messiah to appear. Very interestingly, later, Joseph of Arimathea, the one who provided that cave where Jesus was buried, he was one of the ones described like this. He was waiting for the consolation of Jerusalem. He was one of the faithful believers, you see. And here is Anna, and she speaks out. And then when she's finished speaking out publicly, she carries on through the whole of Jerusalem, telling them, the Messiah is here. I saw him with my own eyes. I heard what was said by Simeon. He has arrived. The consolation is here. And because she, she is constantly giving this public testimony about Christ, she is rewarded as well. You see, her faith is also turned to sight because she saw the Messiah right in front of her. He changed her sight into certainty. She must have known what it was to experience that joy which Peter speaks about when he says, you have joy which is unspeakable and full of glory. In that moment when she saw the Messiah, that must have been coming through her and coming out of her and she speaks out her gratefulness to God. And all this at 84. What a woman of God. Can you and I begin to match her faithfulness and her enthusiasm. I know. Some days I get up and I wonder where I'm going to get the strength from. Look at this 84-year-old. But we can't just leave it there, you see. God's word is applied to you and I. How do we apply this to you and I? Well, we can ask two questions. 
What is God's description of you as you sit right here this morning in this worship service? What does God say of you as he spoke of Simeon and Anna? If God had to write down in his word something about you, what would he write down there? You see, you say, I long to see God at work in my life. But are the ingredients for him to work in your life, are they in your life? What do I mean by that? You see, are you obedient to God? Simeon was. Are you obedient to God in what he has already revealed to you? You don't need to know everything about scripture, but are you obedient to that that you know? You see, some people will say, I just don't know enough. And so what they do is, they stop being obedient because they say, I'll wait till I know everything. God says, obey me in what you know. Simeon did. Are you devout? Do you spend time in his word? Do you allow yourself to be taught by his word? Yes, you might sit here in the sermon and you hear his word, but do you allow the Holy Spirit to teach your heart? When you go home and you take your Bible and you spend time with it, I hope you do. Do you allow the Spirit to teach you through God's Word? Are you in a living and a joyful relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is Christianity a slog for you? Be honest. Are you joyful in the Lord? You see, right through these Two characters that come here, all we see is joy. Are you joyful in the Lord? Do you take heed of the promptings of the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit shows you an area in your life that needs working on, that He needs to work on, or He shows you a direction in life to go, do you take heed of that? Or do you push Him away because it's uncomfortable? Or maybe you just don't like what He's saying? Or maybe it's just way out of your comfort zone. Do you push him aside? Do you live in expectancy? You see, Simeon lived in expectancy of the Messiah to come, and then he did. Well, guess what? Jesus is coming again. Do you and I live in expectancy of him coming again? Those people you pray for daily, do you expect God to answer your prayers? That child in your home that you continually teach God's word and you pray for them, do you expect God to act in their lives? Do we live in expectancy before the Lord? He is a great God with almighty power. He can deliver. It is our faith that's so small, you see. And so the second question you need to ask yourself this morning is, what is your response to Jesus? You've read about Jesus. Some of you, most of you would know about Jesus. You might have a living relationship with him. But what is your response to Jesus this morning? Simeon prophesied that he would be the great divider. Have you accepted his offer of life? If you're an unbeliever here today, you haven't. You've still pushed him away. The offer is there to you today. Accept his offer of salvation today. Because if you don't, Jesus is the great divider you will be going in a certain direction, and that is towards eternal damnation. And if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ today, are you obedient to him? I want to read your quote here and listen to it very carefully. I'm going to say it twice, because this is really the crux of where I'm at this morning. 
You see, obedience to the Lord is not a matter of age and energy level. It is defined by a willingness to serve Him and to share Him with others. I'll repeat that. Obedience is not a matter of age or energy level. That includes all of us now. But obedience is defined by a willingness to serve Him and to share Him with others. Those are the two ingredients, you see. Simeon and Anna served the Lord while they were waiting for the Messiah. They didn't just hang around in their Christian, on their believing life, waiting. You know, I come across believers every single day. They call themselves believers. They're not, they're not in churches. They're hanging around on the outside, waiting, serving, they say, but ineffective lives before the Lord, living disobedient lives before the Lord. He says, live obedient lives to me. Do what my word says. If my word says be with other believers, then be with other believers. Yes, they'll give you grief. Yes, you'll have hard times. But that's not what I'm saying. Be obedient. And speak out what you know. Someone once said, we need to be serving the Lord in expectation. That means hands washing other people's feet, but with an eye on the sky. I love that. You wash the feet down there on the ground, but your eyes on the sky. Is he going to come today? Is he going to answer my prayers today? Is he going to speak to this person I'm serving in such a way that they see the Lord Jesus Christ through my actions? You see, our service is seen, our obedience is seen in our service. And our service speaks out about him. Our service becomes a sign which points to Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. A further question I want to ask you this morning as you sit here as believers is, have you counted the cost of following Jesus Christ? And times are getting more difficult every single day. You just need to look on the international news and see the stance that's being taken on marriage and all kinds of other instances. And then the puppetry that happens in New Zealand where the one says so, then our leaders also copy. Have you counted the cost of following the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, in praising Jesus Simeon does not fail to note that the Messiah's road will be hard. There would be people who would come up against him. People would crucify him. And the same can be said for the Messiah's followers. Jesus spoke of that. He said, if they stood against me, they will stand against you. We have to be prepared, you see. But have we counted the cost? You see, when we bring out the word of God in this hostile world, in a world hostile to God, we will and we can become the objects of hostility and ridicule. Those of you who have been out on the streets, you will know that. I've told you this before. I once met a man, I gave him a little tract. It had a cross on it. And it was speaking about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I put it in his hand. And when he looked at it, he threw it on the ground and he said, I hate that cross. Why did you give it to me? And he was so angry, his wife pulled him away. That was in Herrick, by the way. You can live safely in Wanganui. You see, we will come up against hostility and ridicule. Are you ready for it? Don't be surprised when it happens to you. Jesus said it would. We can expect the same. But that's not all doom and gloom. Following Jesus and serving Him also brings great joy. You see, joy and notes of praise are woven through these testimonies from these two old people. Simeon, now fully content, he blesses God and he's ready to leave this life. He is so blessed, he's ready to die. 
And Anna, she breaks out into constant thanks to God for providing redemption. And then she goes from there, she turns around, and she can't help herself. She's out in Jerusalem telling others. And you and I are to do the same. We are to have a joyful relationship with Jesus Christ to such an extent that it bubbles out of us and we can't help but tell people around us. And it's going to culminate in one day when we hear those words from Jesus Christ himself. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I can tell you, on that day, you will not know how to contain your joy. But look forward to the day. In the meantime, we've got to plod through. And sometimes it's hard and people will come against us. But we need to have joy in Christ, not in what people do to us. There's a secret. And the last bit of encouragement I want to bring you is this. When you look at these accounts, as we started in the book of Luke, we notice that God uses a wide range of people to speak out, to testify about Jesus Christ. There were shepherds out in the country. We had people in the city of Jerusalem. We've just heard of two of them. Males, females, Simeon, Anna, all right? Mary, Joseph, a young betrothed couple, and a pair of senior citizen saints. And here's the encouragement. He can use you too, whether you're 18 or 88 or 188. God can still use you to testify about him. And some people he uses in dramatic ways. Some people, some believers he uses in outreach campaigns which reach thousands of people. Some he uses in telebroadcasts with many millions watching. Billy Graham was one of those. Others serve him by teaching children in our Sunday school while we are here. By teaching the children in our crash. Others serve him and proclaim his name by spending time with the lonely in society. And we heard about that this morning. Some serve him by coming to tell us of opportunities that we can serve him, like open home. Some serve him by evangelizing on the streets like Phil and his team. And some serve him and proclaim Jesus' name by speaking that quiet word to your family member at home, to your child on their bed before they go to bed, teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is serving him. Some serve and proclaim Jesus Christ by just getting in their cars and going to lend a helping hand. Others write a quiet card of comfort, send it away in the mail and you get it there and your day is made. Others of you just give a listening ear when someone is in pain. That is all serving the Lord. That is all proclaiming His name and testifying to the love of Jesus Christ. You see, it's in your attitude. That's the important thing. It's in your attitude. Is your attitude the same as that of the Lord Jesus Christ? What was the attitude of Christ when he came to this earth? Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to challenge you today. Choose this day who you will serve. Either serve Satan or serve Jesus Christ. And if you decide to serve Jesus Christ, then serve Him fully. Be one of the faithful remnant that Jesus has put here in Wanganui today. Testify to Him as you go about your everyday tasks, whether you're at work or at school, doesn't matter. Testify that Jesus lives and that He has brought salvation. 
And if you say you're a believer today and you are not testifying and you are not serving, then I have to ask you this last question. Are you part of the faithful remnant? Go to the Lord and ask Him to show you. He will answer that prayer. Be encouraged. God has put us in this community as a faithful remnant to Him. We need to be out there in the streets, in our societies, in our old age homes, at work, proclaiming God's name, testifying to Him and serving Him. Be encouraged. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this example in Your Word of two faithful servants of God. And even though they were aged, and even though all their strength wasn't with them anymore, they served You with the last of their strength. Lord, thank You for those examples that You put in Your Word to encourage us. And Luke included this with the inspiration of Your Spirit. He included these examples so that saints would see in later days coming what it is to serve, what it is to be impacted by this Messiah who would bring salvation and freedom into people's lives. And Lord, thank You that we can read Your Word today and know that if we are faithful, You will be faithful. And that You call us to obedience in our walks before You. Lord, help us to choose Jesus Christ, not just by our words, but by our deeds, in our obedience to You. May we choose Him today as believers. And Lord, I pray for any here that still do not know You. The Gospel message has gone out that Jesus is the way to God. There is no other. Lord, may they accept You today and not turn their backs once again and walk away. You have made this message known. Be glorified now, we pray. Amen.